Hello, everyone. This is Miro Wislow, and I run a podcast called Bossed to Boss uh, Top 20 in Entrepreneurship. And I had a chance to connect with Pablo. We met at a conference, and this guy was just his good old jolly self. Came up to me, introduced himself, had a big smile, and he does to this day. I will continue to be his good friend, and you should too, because there's no one like him that really puts you in a good mood and makes you do great things. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, In my walks, every man I meet is my superior in some way, and in that, I learn from him. This means every single person you ever interacted with has done something slightly different than every single other person, and therefore has something to teach you. And you, my friend, have something to teach them. This means every conversation you have is both a chance to learn something and a chance to make an impact. Every networking event or conference you walk into is both a library and your stage. Your network is your personal Google, and you are a part of everyone's Wikipedia. My name is Pablo Gonzalez, and I am your Chief Executive Connector. Follow me as we meet people in my walks. Find out what we can learn from them, what they've learned from others, and what made them want to connect so you can learn to gain and give value to others in all of your interactions. I am terrible at asking for stuff, but if you want to do me a favor, subscribe to the podcast. Let me know what you've learned from each episode, or at the very least, hit me up if I can ever be of service or any kind of value to you. Now, without further ado, let's get connected. Welcome to the Chief Executive Connector Podcast. I am Pablo Gonzalez, your host and Chief Executive Connector. And today we have a very special guest, my buddy, Miro Wislow, who is a, kind of a big deal. He's the co-founder of, co-founder, not finder. I'm sure you find it somewhere. <laughs> you, you can find it. Of Pod it. River, a podcast media company. The host of a USA Today Top 20 Entrepreneurship Podcast on iTunes called Boss to Boss, where he focuses on his journey from being employed to being an entrepreneur and in, and interviews other people that have taken that journey and now are, are big time bosses like he is. Also runs a business called Hodgepodge, an environmental decluttering, moving and storage company, where he's making an environmental impact by reducing waste in the waste stream, which you know I'm all in on, man. I'm an environmental nut. So I yes. just want to say welcome, Miro, man. How are you feeling? I'm feeling great. I'm actually, I'm so pumped to be here. I know we had a delay a week, but today it's happening so I'm, I'm excited man I'm excited you got you got your surf in today I got my run in so that's how you know energy is gonna be flowing so boom yeah be ready you got the brain you got the brain firing I like it yeah. man um Miro I you know one of my one of the things that I espouse is that mm -hmm. you build connections the the quickest the two quickest ways is to add value to someone's life or or if you share in some kind of vulnerability man and i know that this interview is going to be super valuable you got a bunch of stuff that we're going to get into but i like to start asking people you know what what are you struggling with today and i'm like what's the hardest part of being mirror right now i mean i would say the hardest part and it's something that probably got me to where i'm at at the same time as bad as it sounds is my constant constant battle with anxiety and it's just something like all the time I have, you know, these self-doubts, these inner fears. Every night when I go to bed, it all starts crashing on me again. But then at the same time, it's like that, that, that bad of me, I know brings out the good because it makes me like go so much harder into things when I do them. And when I do them, make sure I put in all my efforts. So it's like a good and a bad, but yeah, it's definitely 
probably the biggest uh, focus right now of like the negative energy in my life. Interesting. I would man. say. Do you, um, is that something that you, uh, if you, if you don't mind me asking, right? Like, have you, have yeah. you like done therapy or any of that stuff for that? Or, or is it just one of these things that you're just all, always battling with? And yeah, no, I did. I did. I still go to this day every once in a while, just like maintenance. Um, it's something that, uh, I think it's been with me for the last, I want to say around the early twenties is when it hit. So now I'm 31. And so about, about 10 years, give or take, I've had it. And it's just like, it's a constant battle and I've just have to keep alerting to accept it over and over and over again. It's one of those things that there isn't a cure, a cure for. It's more just like you have to, you can make it better. So you have to kind of keep reteaching it to yourself that you can live with it. A lot of other people live with it and you have to keep uh, retraining your brain all the time. Dude, I, I struggle with anxiety a ton, man. I, like I literally, my last, my last call that I was on before this is my buddy, Jason Wasser, who is also a therapist. So mm-hmm. I, <laughs> so he plays my therapist sometimes, There you go. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's that whole, that whole voice inside of your head that, that I don't I don't know if it comes from, um, for me personally, it comes from a place of self-worth that I don't know how it got started, right? Like I would always tell myself that my biggest motivation in life was to prove to the world that I deserve the family I got born into. Mm-hmm. And that sounds really great. Yeah. But behind that message is a message that like, I may not deserve this. And, th- and that to me is like a root of like a really big anxiety of just like, you know, man, if Ted Kaczynski had my parents, he'd be Bill Gates. He wouldn't be the Unabomber. You know what I mean? Like, like that type of stuff, man. Do, do you kind of, have you regressed to kind of find where, where it all, stems from it for you? Uh, that's, that's a tough one. I, I guess there's numerous places, you know, one, I think coming as an immigrant to this country, like that was kind of a root of a lot of things. It was definitely a struggle. I, it wasn't conventional and it's something that was a cloud over me, like for the, for a long time. Like I had a lot of problems with, with, uh, with being here and stuff like that. So that played a part in it. And just, um, I guess, you know, at first going towards a career and a job, like I was, you know, going to school and I wasn't even sure if I was going to be able to work here. So like devoting all my time and effort and parents money and my money and energies and not knowing like, what am I going to do after I graduate? Can I even like work here? Am I going to be here forever? So things like that, that, that played a huge, huge role. And then the expectations of being like the breadwinner in the family, being the one that had to be a doctor, an attorney, an accountant, or an engineer. Like I had to be one of those things or I'd be nothing. I'd be a failure. And I was like the, the golden child that was the first one to really make these things happen. So like, so no matter what, it was all put on my shoulders from the very beginning. So a combination of a lot of these things definitely stemmed it and is like the foundation, I would say, of of the anxiety for sure. As yeah, as much of a motivator as it was to kind of have that that itch and that, you know, that that itch on my shoulder constantly that that I need to push, that I need to make it happen, which it did. It did. But there's also when you push so hard, you you know, you can only push so much until the the valves click and you know, when the valves go off and you're, you know, for example, if you go too fast, sooner or later, the engine's going to blow. So I think the combination of it being a good and a bad thing, if that makes sense. Totally, man. It's a fine line. And listen, man, you just framed up 
what everything that I was hoping to talk about, you framed it up really, really nicely, right? Like I, I, I would love to, if you don't mind, get into that immigrant thing, right? I'm an immigrant too. What, what, what age did you move here? At five. You moved here at five. Yeah. And so it wasn't, so it could have been worse. I could have came at like 10, 15, 20. Definitely would have been a even harder adjustments. I can't imagine, but, but it did, it did play a role. That's for sure. And it sounded like you weren't yet a legal resident by the time that you were going to school or, or how did, how did it play in that, that, that fear of, are you going to work here? Or are you not going to work here? How did that plan? Yeah. I, I just, you know, just the, the standard procedures that everyone has to go through when they come here and things just took longer. So it just conveniently happened that it took longer than, than it should have. And all, you know, not, things weren't working out in, in the right time frame that they should. And yeah, it did get into the point where, where I was finishing up and I wasn't sure of my future anymore. I couldn't just go out and get an internship like everybody else was getting. Yeah. You know, I, I couldn't just work a regular job. I had to uh, hustle. I had to do jobs where, you know, like in sales, nobody cares. If you sell, you sell. Like you're still, you're, you sell, you're still paying your taxes. Like you, nobody cares who you are. And then I got into day trading. I got into things like that, things that I could kind of do on my own. And I think that's what really though led to, to me being who I am. Because I developed these different techniques, I, I became a DJ. Started like producing music on the side. I started dabbling in so many things. I was selling pizza at like a cafeteria at some college, like hustling. You know, just literally would buy like ten boxes of pizza and would be selling them and during the cafeteria hours for like three hours and then out of there. Like that. Those are the things I did from sixteen through uh, like you know early twenties, and um, but. But I, there's no regret in it. There's no regret because that's what shaped me now. Like here I am running uh, two companies, uh, running a top podcast. And like I wouldn't have gotten here if it wasn't for dibbling and dabbling and all these different things with all these uncertainties. Because now like, having some certainty now, it's like, wow, if I got through those moments in time of doing all these things, not knowing if it's going to matter at all, like this is like, this is a cherry on top right now. Like this is... I'm winning right now, even though I'm really like not. There's so much more to to do. Like I, I am winning. So it's, I guess that's one way to look at it. All right. Totally, man. Like I, so my, I'm half Cuban, half Venezuelan, right? And like, okay. and I was born in Venezuela, and I've seen. I've always kind of, for me, immigrant, the immigration story for those two sides of my family has always been about scarcity, right? Like. Cubans had to, my dad had to leave overnight when he was 14 years old and come to the US and, and start from zero. And Venezuelans have gone through this long tail kind of story of um, increasing scarcity where they've had to become more and more entrepreneurial in their everyday life just to find toilet paper, right? Um, but I like what you said of it's uncertainty, right? Like anytime you immigrate, you have to confront this level of uncertainty that many people that grew up and lived in the same community forever, yeah. you know, maybe, maybe that's delayed. So like, I think, I think having that quick win and for, and for me, something that really shaped me is being the only kid in my preschool that didn't speak English. Right. Like that, mm -hmm. that is, that is what drew uh, that. And, and then moving to Spain a year later and again, not speaking English or Spanish because now I'm in a British school and I don't understand the Spanish dialect or the British English. Um, that's so, amazing. 
Yeah. So that, that's like, what's <clears throat> always driven me to connect yeah. and be on the inside. But I, I, I like, I like how you put it of, if, if you have to confront uncertainty, then you, you start getting more and more comfortable with uncertainty based on the reps you get yeah. and no coincidence immigrants have a high correlation of entrepreneurship. I mean, there's a reason if you look at some of the biggest names up there, you know, Bill Gates, Zuckerberg, they're saying that they're going to make sure all their money goes to charity when they pass and that it doesn't get passed down to their kids. Because if their children, you know, start with, with all this already there money there, like, what's the point? Like you, you, it's not like, it's, it's, it's obvious. You can go out there and you can see the ones that usually had a lot of things handed to them right away from the beginning. Chances are, they're probably not doing as much as someone that didn't have too much and had to start from scratch and go through the tough times and learn along the way. It's so important. And I I guess doesn't mean you don't have to be an immigrant, you know, to experience this because you know, you could be here in America or wherever, and just the way you were born, you didn't have anything and you had to struggle and, but those things, they build up that toughness over time. They do. Those, those are such learning moments and experiences that I think are, are great for us to go through. Because if it was all easy, like what's, what's the point, right? I mean, if you just got it all, if you walked in and, and it was like a vending machine and you picked what you wanted every single day, like where, where's that drive coming from? Like, what are you going to try to do? Just try to get everything in the world at that point? And well, is that going to be enough? It's probably not. But if it wasn't easy, if there is a competition, if there, you know, is love and hate and these ups and downs, this roller coaster, I mean, I, I guess that's why I got into entrepreneurship and why you're into entrepreneurship. I mean, this, this, there is an easy route. I mean, it's it's called getting the regular nine to five job and getting your four hundred one k and getting your insurance and being set and working there for the next 40, 50 years of your life and then retiring. And then at that point, you've been sitting on your butt. I don't know if I could swear here, but sitting the whole time. And you can be yourself, bro. You can be yourself. You have horrible. However you choose to communicate. Your health is going down the drain. It's in this shit. And what do you got? Five years left anyway? Well, what's the, what's the point of that? Some people love that and power to them. I'm not going to, you know, say you have to do it one way or another, but there's a thing that comes with entrepreneurship. And I think it relates a lot to maybe your background and your, and your history and what you went through. Totally, man. Totally. And, and you're right. Some people love that stuff. Some people hate it. Yeah. And then some people take action on it. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, or at least if you try and then you realize like, you know, this entrepreneurship, this running a business thing, it's just not for me. I don't want to be a manager. Like it's not that that life was much better. And it makes me happy at the end of the day, like follow that gut. Yeah. yeah, what makes sense for you, right? And then there's the other side of you kind of alluded to this. You have immigrant parents that expected you to be an engineer or a doctor or a lawyer. Can you kind of tell me? I, my own experience was my immigrant parents wanted me to be an employee, right? Like they wanted me, like they wanted to go security, right? So yeah. I had a big, you know, I've I've had some. I've had to majorly go against some of their best advice, understanding that we just have different incentives, even though I love them very much. Can you kind of tell me about your journey from, from being an employee to starting your own company and and doing all this stuff and kind of like, when did you know, you know, like how'd you do it, man? And then when did you know to like make that full transition? No, that's a great question. Great question. And yeah, uh, something about that, right? There's nothing like being an employee and working your way up, being in one of those 
downtown skyscrapers, those big buildings. There's something about that and that equating to like winning at life and you've done it. Totally. And, and I got there, like I got there. I, I just remember growing up, you know, there were, there were always just, that was like the thing to be, it was put on the, on a plaque. Like it was, it was up there. Like if I've achieved that, I would have won at life. And it's just a mentality thing. I think they, they see that running a business and they known cause they might've done it themselves. Like my mom was running a house cleaning business and um, that that's not like the way of life, that it's scrappy, that it's hard, that it's not the way of life. And they're, they see that it's so much easier just being that employee and just getting everything. And, and, and it is like, I'm not going to deny it. Like when I was doing that life, it was much easier. It was, but at the same time, was I happier? No, that's, that's what kind of led me to where I'm at now. I worked about four years at a public accounting firm. Um, so it was called RSM or known as McLadry, a uh, huge, like number five, number six uh, in US, like in worldwide, it's like one of the largest two. So they're a huge company, you know, pretty much corporate style, everything. I, I got there and I was, I, I felt on top of the world. I had so much, so many, you know, endorphins, so much running all the time. I was getting my first, you know, big boy paychecks and I didn't save anything for the first like two years, nothing. If anything, I started going out more, started going to fancy restaurants. The, the waistline kept building up before you know it, you know, at my peak, probably like year three in, I gained about 50 pounds. Oof. I got up from like 190 to 240. Wow. So uh, right now I'm at like 188. I'm back down to where I, where nice. I used to be. Nice. So Keep I was it tight. 50 pounds more. I mean, that was one thing. I gradually became more depressed, more anxious. That's where I like really started coming out. Um, I just was walking around the office and I constantly was looking around and I'm like, a lot of these people are pretty miserable. Like, do I want to be in their shoes? Some love it, but then there were a lot that are like, uh, let's see, half of our, half are divorced. Half are here all night because they don't want to go home probably. The other half is always mad. Um, like, man, like this is looking great for my 40 years down the road. All just to earn, you know, uh, three, 400K maybe if I like become a partner. Maybe, maybe, maybe half a mil, like maybe. But at that point, I, you know, who knows how much longer I've left. And I started looking around. So, so that like combination with all these things, the depression, anxiety really kicking in, me started to just like, not like what I'm doing, hating it because this is what I got an education in and just like felt like I was being pushed into it. At that point, I was, I was kind of mad too because I, I felt like I got pushed into this. There's yeah. nothing yeah. like feeling you got pushed into something, even though it was my decision. I can't blame anyone, but I started blaming others. And then at the end of the day, I just took it out on going out, started, you know, abusing my body started drinking a lot. Uh, definitely when it was, you know, during busy season, those four months when it's like hectic, five, four or five months in the accounting world, I became a CPA. It, I, all I couldn't wait to do is to go home and, you know, have a couple of drinks every night, have like a half bottle, a bottle of wine, go to bed, do it all over again. And the weekend came, we partied even harder. You know, like I went out with some friends that still, still partied because they didn't grow up and, I kept doing it and it just, it became worse and worse. It was either like working or working or, you know, trying to party, working, trying to party, working out in between a little bit, a lot of travel. So it was, it was a fun time, but that fun time 
really made an impact on my body and on me mentally. It drove me pretty much crazy to the point where I had to get myself like checked in that like I felt suicidal and it was it was a really deep deep dark moment in my life. It really was and after that I got introduced into podcasts. I, I, w- I had like a relationship. I lost that relationship. That went out the window. You know, it was very serious. Uh, I had, you know, just a lot. I secluded myself from friends. Like I gradually just got in the dark, dark hole. This is like three and a half years in maybe in my corporate, you know, attempt. And I found podcasts. Someone introduced me like as I was kind of going through like a, I guess, rehab of my body kind of thing. Like, you know, got off like all drink, you know, alcohol and started meditating and yoga and all this good stuff. And I got introduced into podcasts. I mainly the the biggest ones I would listen to were Gary Vee, Grant Cardone, the ones that everybody really knows. Now I don't really follow them as much. There's just so much there's so much information out there. You'll go crazy. But they they really help me. Like I can single handedly thank them if I could for changing things around, especially Gary Vee. Um, with some of his messages and just showing that like anyone can do it, this entrepreneurship thing, like it, it is freedom if you want it to be, if, if it's for you, but anybody can try it right now with this day and age. And, and I started believing in that. I started listening to a lot of audiobooks. you know, got Audible. I love that app, Audible, just started getting audiobooks every month, you know, every couple of weeks, a new one, new one, new one, got my mindset straight and realized like there is something else. I was still 20, like seven at the time. 26, 27. And I'm there. I still had time. I was like, I'm not old. Like, it doesn't matter what age I'm at. Like, this is, but if anything, this is the prime. I could always go back. Like, I get it right now when, as we're recording this episode, I'm not sure when it's going to be released, but, you know, unemployment, uh, real unemployment as of today that was just released is about 22.5%, 23. It's the worst since the Great Depression era. I mean, it's the highest since then. We're talking, about double since 2008, 2009 crash. It's bad. It's really bad out there. Things will turn around though. Things will turn around. You know, it's it's going to take some time, but things are starting to open up. So keep your head up if you're if you're out there listening. So even with that, I'm still confident. You know, we could land jobs. Like jobs are gonna be there. There are corporations are growing. These bigger companies are all eating each other up, and they're growing. They need us. They don't want us going out there and doing our own thing, starting our own thing, starting our own. Like they, they need us. They, they need us more than we need them. So I wasn't too concerned about getting a job. What are they going to say? Oh, hey, you started a business. You gained all this knowledge of how to start a business. And of course we want to. Like that would be so stupid if they didn't want me or they didn't want you or any, any one of us. Yeah. So this and, is actually yeah. my this is actually my second foray into entrepreneurship. Right. Like mm-hmm. I, I started when I was like 29, I started a green building consulting company, got, you know, I got acquired by my biggest customer. And, um, and then later on in my career, when I would talk to other people, they'd be like, yeah, the fact that you started your own company is actually an attractive thing to me. Right. Like, because, they, and if it's not, then you don't want to be working for that person. <clears throat> right. Like, Clearly, you're too smart for them at <laughs> that <laughs> yeah, point, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. But, I but, mean, but to your point, you can always go home, man. Yeah. You, can, you can always go back to that bread and butter, man. You, you know? could. Like, how, how, how can they turn you down after that? Unless they genuinely are scared of you taking over their business or running things there because you just gained so much wealth and knowledge like by trying to run your own thing. 
Correct. It's uh makes no makes no no sense. But yeah, going on from there, I went on this like a few months, you know, a few months after like through my recovery, I went through, uh, on this life changing trip. I took uh, three weeks off about, and I did a backpacking trip by myself. I like road tripped across the U.S., went out to some of the like Puerto Rico, some of the Caribbean island, like islands over there. Um, backpacked, stayed at hostels, came back, like went to the Appalachian Trail, hiked it for a few days all alone. Um, it was it was a life changing trip, and I, I read somewhere there's a study. I think you have to take a time. You have to take a vacation for at least two weeks. I think anything below two weeks, you're not going to break away from that day-to-day life of your job. And you're not going to fully break away to be able to think clearly and to be able to to think of life in other ways without your job kind of interfering and being in the back of your mind subconsciously. It's got to be a minimum of two weeks that you have to take off. That's why a lot of employers do not want you to take more than two weeks off. Usually they want to limit like a week, week at a time. You know, they'll do a week at a time all the time. That's totally fine. It's just enough for you to get away, but still look at a few emails, still come back, still be in the thick of things. But if you take a certain amount of time off, you can break of that cycle and you could actually start to, your brain, something about it. There was a study, I can't remember exactly where, but your brain clicks and you start to kind of think outside the box. And that's what happened. I went on this life-changing trip. That's what happened. And I came back. I'm like, this is it. I don't care what happens at this point. I'm going to start something up. I'll figure it out. I could figure it out along the way, but I'm putting a deadline and I set a deadline that it's going to be happening in the next. Um, I said, I think I told myself by September and at this time it was like May, like enough time to kind of save up just a little bit more. And that's when I started, you know, counting. Um, I did a whole, like a little, um, little, I guess, uh, workbook thing. I wrote out all my different expenses, all my, my rent, my, my insurance, my essentials, my gas, the food cost. How much do I need to survive every single month to get by? And I'll, I think they say you need at least like eight to 10 months just to like, if you're going to leave to have a comfortable enough life, uh, you want to save at least that amount. So you take that amount per month, you times it by eight or 10. That's what I did. I think I times it by 10. I'm like, okay, you know, I got this little chunk of change saved up. Uh, now I could leave. A uh, little did I know that thing would run dry after like four months and I was moving into my office, but uh, that's for a later date. But uh, yeah, I, I realized I want to do something. I reconnected with my former boss back when I used to be a day trader in like my late teens, early 20s. He, uh, he always wanted to do something together. So kind of back to your, up, your show, being a connector, there's nothing like keeping your network and making sure to nurture it and constantly check in and do what you can. We always stayed in touch. We always talked. And the moment came and I asked him, you know, if, if he wants to kind of get together and kind of just see where things are at, see if maybe this is the next stepping stone in my life. I took him out for a, a steak dinner at a nice place. So that did not hurt. And we talked and right away, he's like, whatever you want, we're doing. Like, what, you tell me what it is. Let's think of something. We're starting a business. Like, he already has three businesses. You know, this guy's like, he didn't need another one. He didn't. He's a very successful, uh, he's my mentor. He's a very successful investor, uh, has a huge portfolio. And he didn't need another business, but he said he wanted to do it anyways. And that's when we started dibbling and dabbing. I started coming over on the weekend, started coming over after work. And we started jotting ideas down, coming up with a business plan. And we started having something 
you know, concrete down. We kind of got like a name. We bought a, bought some donate domains, and I realized that man, I want to document this thing too. So that's when I started up my podcast. I'm like, there'll be nothing cooler than documenting this whole process. So it was my previous podcast. Now it's called Boss to Boss, but it was called Love the Journey. And that was like my first probably nine months of this journey. I started documenting it of me possibly leaving the corporate style of life into starting a business. And I interviewed like friends at the time. I was just trying to just trying to get better at interviewing and like getting more people to listen. So I would interview like colleagues and random friends of like ones that work in the business, like work in a, you know, four, four or nine to five for somebody and the ones that work for themselves, just kind of comparing the two sides. And um, a lot of people at my former job at the accounting firm I was at started listening to my podcast. So I didn't really want that to get out, but it did. And I'm like, you know what? This is a great, great avenue for me to finally speak my mind and maybe finally find a way to quit. Because being an immigrant and be doing being that golden child and finally being the, the one person to make it happen, there's nothing harder than to leave that job and to tell them, tell your parents and go look at them and be like, hey, everything you invested in me, all your time and money coming here to America with nothing, struggling for so long, I'm throwing it out the window. I'm throwing it out the window. I'm moving on. I'm not happy. I want to try something else where I'm not going to make any money at all for who knows how long. It was tough. It was very tough. Um, the only way I was able to even do it was through a podcast. I announced that I was going to be quitting and somebody heard it at the office. And then I had like a letter ready that I was going to quit. I ran into my boss's office. I quit right away because I was like, if I put it out there, even though like I didn't want to put it out there, it's too late. Once the internet sees it, it's too late. There's no going back. So I ran in. I quit right away. I informed my parents afterwards. It was it was hard. My dad like did, my dad didn't want to talk to me for for a while. My mom totally understood. She she's the one that kind of had her own. She has her own cleaning business, so she understood a little bit more. Whereas he just kind of slaved away and still does to this day. And I I keep telling him to get out. Hopefully he does soon. But he just works at like a storage company just taking things on and off trucks trucks and stuff um, where it's like they freeze food. So it's freezing there and it's so bad for his body. But with him, he's like, you finally had it and you're throwing it all away. And you know, he, he was mad at me. I would say probably for at least a couple months, at least a couple months, we talked very minimally. And now, now, now he realized and things have changed, but um, that's, that's another part of the story. But yeah, so that's kind of how it happened. I, I just left after announcing it on my podcast and I'm putting my two weeks, worked it, got out. And after that, haven't looked back since. Kept yeah, recording shows and kept jumped into a business that didn't really know too much about besides you know, that there is a need for it. And waste removal, uh, being eco-friendly, sustainability is something that's in need. I grew up pretty, I grew up very poor the first 10 years of my life. So I knew the value of repurposing, recycling, donating things. So that's why we remove things out of the homes, try to get them to other people instead of just throwing them all away. So I knew there was a value there. It's something that kind of hit home with me and I wanted to do something that's going to help people. So I felt really good about what I was doing. And I felt, you know, worst case, I could always try something else. But here I am three years later and everything's, uh, everything's going good. It's been a struggle, ups, ups, ups and downs, ups and downs. But, uh, that's kind of a, I know that was probably more than you wanted, but 
but that was the, the part of me re- deciding whether or not I should leave that nine to five life and why I actually did it. <laughs> Dude, I thought you hit, you hit up a lot of points that I love that you hit on, right? Like, you know, that, that conversation with your old man is such a critical juncture. And then, and then having the, you know, you did it a little bit different than me, right? You did it and then went and told your old man about it, but it, it's still something that you knew you had to do, right? So that, that yeah. is like this second time of me going into entrepreneurship is the first time that I've ever looked at my dad, asked for his advice and then be like, okay, cool. Well, I'm going to go the other way. Right. So like, I think, I think it's a, it's a huge part to get to a certain moment in your life at a certain age, you start to realize where you end and your parents begin. And there's going to be some boundaries in there that aren't always, always going to be the same way, no matter how healthy a relationship is. And the other thing that you touched on that I love is using content as an accountability piece, right? Yes, like that, that, that's something that I'm starting mm-hmm. to get into now that I've been doing these, like I recently did a 30 day live Facebook challenge and now it went oh, so well awesome. that I'm now saying it's 300, 200 days of content, right? So like I'm, I'm, I'm going to go 200 days in the next 365 where I'm going live on Facebook and then repurposing it and whatever, because what I started realizing, right, I have all these beliefs around content about how great it is for relationships and blah, blah, blah. What I unlocked is the idea that if you're putting content out there about yourself, it is an accountability thing, right? Like the more that, the more that you are telling the world, like I'm doing this, the more people you have checking in on you asking, Hey man, what's going on? And I think it's another really valuable thing that people underestimate of how you can use content for personal growth. Yeah. No, you, you hit it right on the, you hit the nail on the head. There's nothing like putting it out there and telling people you're going to make it happen. I mean, cause sooner or later, if you don't make it happen, it's going to gradually go away. Right. And once you start announcing more things, people are not going to believe you and you're going to become a fraud. Like why, why would you keep announcing things and not make them happen? And there's nothing like that accountability, right? Of everybody seeing thousands, of your friends, your, your your network, and it's a uh, it's a great way. I think more people should uh, should do it. And when people post progress pics, things like that, it's it's a great way to definitely keep accountable. And kind of back to the old man, um, it's it's funny because yeah, it was it was such a such a hard way, such a hard thing to do. And nowadays, it changed our relationship so much, probably for the better. Because back then, he couldn't relate to me at all. He was always a you know blue collared worker. I was you know going into accounting, polar opposites. Didn't know a thing. There was nothing to talk about. Now I have a company and like we we have trucks. I have some employees. Uh, you know he he's talking about when he retires in the next few months that maybe he'll come and you know ma- maintain the trucks or something. Like all of a sudden he wants to be involved. He comes by once in a while, like checks up on our warehouse and like wanted some stuff from us and. I was like, you know, like, so, so getting past that to this point is so worth it. They're so worth it. When you, when, when they start to realize you're doing something you care about more and you care about more, you, you care about life more, they'll start to care more. Like, I think I rubbed off on them that I wasn't happy and it was a tough period. It was a tough time, but once they start seeing some success and uh, that you are doing something that they wish they did they start living vicariously as well and they start respecting it and it's not going to happen overnight. You know, that this took, this took a while, probably a solid a year before my dad 
really start started kind of talking to me again in a more friendly way. The first few months were rough and then it took about a year for him to kind of accept it. I mean, my sister was calling me the garbage man. You know, it's like, you left this job to be a garbage man? <laughs> <laughs> and like she she's younger. She just didn't understand. And it killed me. It actually like did it. I mean, it was laughing, but at the same time, it's like, come on, I'm not a damn, I'm not a garbage man. Like it's not that bad. There's nothing wrong with it anyways. What's wrong with being garbage man? Like they pay pretty damn good. They yeah. do. So that killed, that was, it was, it was good. Good stuff. You got to kind of take things lightheartedly. And if you believe in a mission and you, you know, you're going to succeed and you see yourself succeeding, it's going to happen sooner or later. And I mean, worst case, you could always go back. Yeah. 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 And, and you're hitting, by the way, you also mentioned Gary Vee. That was a huge influence for me when I decided to kind of jump back into this when I found him about three years ago. And specifically because of one of Gary Vee's key messages at that point, which is the people in your life that love you the most have different priorities than you. So they just want you to be safe when you're trying to grow. Yes. Right. So I, 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 and then he's just like, the way to do it is to take the chance and prove him wrong. And then you'll be fine. <laughs> you know, like, exactly. and if you're, and if you're wrong, go back and apologize and go back home. Right. It's, it's, it's everything that you're saying. It's family. Like they're, they're not going to just disown you for life. And if they do, then, I mean, that's maybe, maybe there's time to move on. Right. Maybe, yeah. maybe that wasn't meant to be for a reason, but it, 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 they, sh they have to realize you are your person. They are their person. They had their life. They have they have their life. They had it, and they could have chose which way they wanted to. They chose this method. Yeah. They chose to come here and make a better life for us. And like we we are choosing a different route. You know, we're also trying to make a better life for for our future kids and grandkids as well. But everyone's doing it a little bit differently. Yeah. Well, speaking of doing it differently, um, you've been successful at it, <laughs> right? That's that's different. Um, what, what do you think, what do you think sets you apart, right? Like you've been successful at growing this business, you now have another business, you have a successful podcast, kind of what are your, how have you been able to set yourself apart in being able to like grow this business and grow your podcast and stuff like that? Yeah, definitely. It's a great, great question. I love talking about this. I would say that initially this was, this was very hard for me because I tried to, I really sat there and, uh, I've been asked this before. But it, it it took me a while to come to an answer because I'm like wondering what makes me different. Like I'm just an average Joe Schmo. What did I do different? Like, am I even successful? Like, in terms of like, you know, am I a multimillionaire or something? If that defines success, I'm not. Like, am I am I pretty happy? Yeah, I would say I'm for the most part. But at times, it's also, um, you know, I'm also pretty down. Like I am battling the anxiety, depression here, here and, you know, there, here and there. So it's definitely a mixed bag. But when it comes to, you know, actually making things happen, I think that's the one thing I've done. I've made it happen. And through thick and thin, we are still here. You know, the, my, my main business, HodgePodge, which is the Chicagoland-based eco-friendly waste removal, we've grown, we grew 600% uh, last year. And then this year we grew about 70%. I mean, we're, and then we're on pace to probably grow again, another 50 to 75% this next year. So like wow. we are growing, like we started off with one truck. Now we got six trucks and a van. I had, it was just me doing jobs in the beginning. Now I have about, depending on what given day, cause there's a high turnover anywhere from like 13 to 15 employees, uh, three locations. So like we're, we're making it happen. We are, we are. I mean, that's significant, man. 
Thank you. And this yeah. is, yeah, it's, we're only, we're just closing in on year three. So we're, we are making it happen. So, but I'm not going to say everything's been perfect. It, it hasn't been. And if there's anything that's put me um, ahead of others and made, made things be where they're, where they are at right now, number one will have to be consistency. It, that's, that, that has to be the most important one. And I think that's probably across a lot of people's leaderboards. Um, that I could ask this kind of question because no matter what you get these voices in your head every day, you're constantly going to get self-doubt. You're constantly going to, you know, get imposter syndrome. Am I good enough? Can I ask, can I go up to uh, Kevin Harrington who was on, who was one of the hosts of shark tank and be like, Hey, can you go on my podcast? Like, who am I to ask this guy? And, but I did it. I, I, I was able through my network and I got a hold of him and we did it and it was amazing. He loved the episode. He said it was one of the funnest podcasts he ever did. But like, who am I to do it? I just was consistent and I believed in myself and I believe that it is a level playing field and that if we keep pushing, we keep going, we, uh, we, all, we all could get there if we see that vision. So no matter what, I keep pumping things out. I keep doing things every day. I'll, you know, I'll keep going every single day. Uh, I will take breaks. So I think as, as important as it is to go every single day, you have to take some breaks and reward yourself along the way. So I do still take some mini vacations. I do still splurge, you know, maybe once a week on some good cheap meal or something like that. I, you know, with my fiance, will like do something to celebrate every once in a while. When, when I hit milestones at the company, me and my business partner will do some, we'll, we'll go get B-dubs, you know, something like that. Cause that was like the first thing we did when we started the business. So like you have to still splurge and um, you have to keep pumping things out no matter how hard it is, no matter how hard it is to get up that day, no matter how hard it is to post a new episode on your podcast and reach out to that person, email to that person keep doing it because sooner or later someone will see it. Like in the beginning, my podcast, you know, was getting 10, 20, 50 listens. Now I'm getting uh, tens of thousands. So like, you know, someone out there is listening. <laughs> someone out there is sooner or later. They, they will, they'll, they'll come out and there's closet listeners. You'll probably never even meet them, but we all have our own story to tell. Everybody's story is different. You are different and you have to, just stay consistent. If you really want to believe, if you believe in it, it's going to happen no matter what. Awesome. But yeah, that's uh, I don't know if you want more, but that's probably the main one. Uh, and then if, if we're talking a couple other tips and things that I've done along the way, I would say one, like for growing my business side of things, like the actual hodgepodge company, it's following up. Like this is what's really made things uh, grow a lot. And I think it played a vital role, vital role. And I think everyone should do this or find a way to do it. It's following up with every single customer since day one after a job, whether good, whether bad. And we've had about a thousand different customers now since, since inception. I followed up with every single one, whether it was a call. I usually call them always. If they don't answer, I'll leave them a voicemail, like a nice one minute one, like actually talking about everything, how I feel, how, how we did, blah, blah, blah. And then if not, then I'll send them like a text message or email. No matter what, I will follow up with every single one of them. Ideally by voice though. I want to make sure they hear my voice, whether good, whether bad. I want to make sure they were satisfied. If there's anything we could do better next time. And that has taken up a lot of time. It does. It takes up a lot of time. I've been on some very long calls. I've had to listen. I, I've been customer service. I've had to listen to a lot of angry customers at times, a lot of happy customers. 
but it's probably the one that paid off tenfold. You know, not even really expecting it, but before you know it, it just starts coming back. People just start flocking and referring you because because of those small things you did like that. Yeah, the, the personal, personal touch, delivery. man. Yeah. The personal touch goes a really, really long way. Like yeah. I'm right, right in line with the, the, you know, it's it's connection, right? Like if, if someone if someone doesn't feel that they're doing business with a business, they're doing business with a person, and that's a real person that cares about them and cares about their well being, it's it's going to compound, right? I think it's so important, yeah. And it comes back; it all keeps coming back, right? To the to the name of your podcast, it it, it is it is about connections and connect the networks that you build. It, it really is the whether it was for me to start up the business, whether it was me getting podcast guests you know, on my podcast or getting more business for the actual hodgepodge company. Like it, it, it's all a network and the bigger it could get, the, the, the more, I think, wealth and knowledge, the, the more, you know, mind wealth you, uh, you develop. There's uh, something about it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't explain it for sure, but there's something about it and it's probably the most important thing um, you can uh, develop no matter what you're doing, like whether it's good or bad and you hate what you're doing, if you're still been building a network, like that network can be there no matter what, that foundation. I couldn't agree more with you, bro. We're staying very on brand here. I like it. Uh-huh. <laughs> Listen, on, a, on a selfish I'll, level. I'll be, I'll be taking, I'll be taking that, that paycheck after yeah, the call. Right. Yeah, I like it. I like it. I like it. Um, on a selfish level, speaking of giving you a paycheck, right? Um, how do you, you know, like you've grown your podcast amazingly, right? Like how do, do you have any like tips or tricks to like get it ranked and, 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 and get more viewership? I mean, more listenership, stuff like that. Yeah, uh, definitely. So I actually talked about this with Jordan Harbinger when I had him on my podcast and I was trying to see like, what has he done different? I really wanted to pick his brain about this topic. And he's, he said exactly what I've kind of thought. And that is consistency. And back to my last tip, that that's all it was. He said that he's, he admitted, he's like, I didn't really know what I was doing. I wasn't really much better than anybody else. I just kept pumping up episode, pumping out episodes for 10 years. And it, I, it was at the right place, right time. And sooner or later I started growing. My name started, you know, picking up, picking up, picking up, but no matter what, he always published content. He always had episodes and people knew it was going to be there. If there was one place to look, it was his show. And I, I want to say that I'm not there, nowhere close to where he's at, nowhere close. But if it's one thing that's helped me grow from day one, it has been consistency. I will keep pumping out content week in, week out. I haven't missed a week ever, I won't say, in the three years almost that I've been doing it. haven't missed a week ever. So there's always going to be at least one episode, no matter what. I will always keep updating everyone. And at the end of the day, just be yourself. Like I was saying, we are all different. Please don't, you know, just mock any other show because there's so many other shows that are already like that other show and like that other show. If that makes sense. Don't makes mock it. Sense. Be yourself. Talk like you want to talk. Don't don't just reenact what somebody else does because their method works. Like there's a, if their method works, like if you're trying to be the next Gary V, why would someone listen to you over Gary V? <laughs> Yeah. Just think about that. If you're both doing the same exact thing, why would anyone ever listen to you? It makes no sense. Like they're he's he's talking to, you know, the biggest names in the world. And here you are talking to a mom and pop, you know, uh, shop. 
And nothing against that because maybe there's a niche there that you found. But I'm just saying, if you're going to mock a show and you're trying to do exactly what that other show does, it's not a recipe for success. I mean, it's finding your niche. Find a niche. Find something that hasn't been done yet. Find a good name. Uh, Cover art is important as well. Uh, Make sure it's something catchy, something good, high quality. Um, There's there's a lot of disagreement on this one. Some people say to you know brand yourself no matter what. Some say to find a name and brand that name. Um, that, that one, I think you can go on the top hundred charts and scroll down, see how many pictures you see of people's faces and see how many pictures you see of something else and see which ones stick out to you and make that decision for yourself. Another important one, um, some people argue about is whether or not you should have video on, on your podcast because the video takes away from the audio portion because you don't see the facial cues. I personally do video. <laughs> so I don't know. It hasn't really played too much of an effect on me, but some people are like diehard about no video on your podcast. Um, but you know, I, I release on YouTube and Facebook as well. I, I kind of make it known that it's not strictly just an iTunes, Google Play, Spotify thing. So I kind of just make it known that it's it's both. <laughs> and um, yeah, I would say those are probably uh, key things. Have a high quality show. Make sure you get a good good editor. Um, have a nice, um, you know, intro, but maybe not too, too long because you don't want to bore people as well. So a lot of times within the first three minutes are when someone will make a decision whether to listen to your episode or not. And if that first three minutes is just like a huge long intro and it doesn't really get to the point right away, that could lose a lot of listeners from the very beginning, very uh, onset. Um. But yeah, I would say those are kind of some of my quick tips that I could think off the top of my head. That was awesome, man. So, you know, as you know, I'm like in the middle of my rebrand and relaunch. So I'm like, those are everything you said are all things that are very top of mind for me. Right. <laughs> right? So, yeah. So yeah. that's, that was really super valuable, man. I really appreciate keep, it. Keep your name to three words or less as well. Got um, ideally, yeah, two or three, two to three words, if you could. That's, I know that's very important as well. And then get a good domain. Um, I think Google is very important. Google is your best friend. If you can get a good name, good domain, um, try to get a .com if possible, and definitely work with someone that knows Google AdWords or just um, knows how to work the SEO system. Because getting ranked on Google is, you know, that's still that's still key. Like if someone searches and you're up there, um, say you have a big guest on your show and you could get that big guest's name. Uh, when they search for some for that person, and your podcast with that person shows up in the top, like that's 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 a lot right there. Like that's SEO can really make or break a podcast. I feel I think it's very underappreciated. Yeah, that was something I had never heard before, man. That's that makes a ton of sense. Like if you're googling a name and you're and it's your podcast that people see for that name, then yes. you get a shot at all those people with that. Per- you know, something I yes. say often is that the easiest way to grow an audience is to leverage other people's audiences. So that would be a, yeah. a maximization of leveraging someone else's audience. If they Google somebody's name and they come to you. There's a right way and a wrong way of doing it. Obviously you don't want to be predatory about it. You uh, don't want to steal anybody else's searching. You don't want to like steal their, their words. Th- th- that's very, very bad. Like if, if people see you do that, like they will get turned off. They will, 
uh, you'll lose your network real quick. You don't want to do that. Like you don't want to be stealing somebody else's descriptions. I've seen it done. It was actually done by somebody uh, about my, uh, towards my show before. And uh, it's not fun. It's not cool. You know, having to confront someone and it's just, it's just not very uh, ethical either. So just do it in a way where like, yeah, you put like their name and on your podcast and their website and stuff. And naturally like in SEO, if you just, you're, you're good at it, it'll search up there, but don't be predatory and take other people's content and put it as your own um, just to get it to be ranked higher. That's, that's very, very bad. And it's just very looked down, looked down at and people sooner or later will find out and your show will be blacklisted. And a lot of these people know each other. A lot of bigger names know each other. Sooner or later, your name word will get around. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense, right? It's your, it's your reputation, right? Like I wouldn't have, I am not technologically proficient enough to know how to steal someone else's words, but I'm glad you made that distinction. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> it just, just makes because, a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can imagine, right? Like just like pulling oh, someone's yeah. complete description from yeah. their site and putting it onto your own like yeah. thing. And then like, boom, there you go. Uh, all of a sudden people are searching for theirs exact thing, but it's showing up you. And you could imagine that could piss some people off. For sure. For sure. I get it. Too bad. Can we, uh, can we take a little bit of a turn here and talk yeah. about how we met? Oh yeah, for sure. You want to, you want, you want, what, what do you remember about, about how we met? I just remember seeing your very vibrant and big smile. And <laughs> it's like, Hey, <laughs> <laughs> and That's and awesome. for everybody for to give some context about this, this is right as the virus, COVID-19, right as everything is just like starting to really happen. I was questioning going to this uh, conference. We met at a conference called PodFest in Orlando about uh, two months ago, almost exactly two months. Yeah, exactly two months ago. Almost exactly two months to the date because it was like, yeah, like almost exactly. And Things were just kicking off. I remember people telling me I shouldn't go. I shouldn't fly. It's so stupid of me. There's gonna be so many people, and and you know there there I there I am seeing you, big smile on your face, not a care in the world. And I was like, man, this guy's this guy's cool. Like I want to be around this guy. He seems like he seems like the type that would be fun to hang hang out with, have a beer with, and chat with. Um, and you had like other people with you as well. So I was like, oh, cool. He knows people. I know people. Let's let's all chat. And yeah, I think you, you walked up to me. Like a lot of times I have to walk up to people. You just, you just did it. You just, you're like, Hey, what's up? You, you're standing close enough to me. I'm going to introduce myself. Yeah. And, uh, and right away it was just a good connection. Like you just, you know, someone rubs you off the right way or the wrong way, but just, I think that smile you have right away just clicked. And I was like, cool, man. Like I'm looking forward to uh, seeing how we could, you know, be friends and help each other out. That's awesome, man. Yeah, that that's. It was in a hallway. Yeah, it was in a hallway, standing outside of like a conference room, right outside the expo hall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I remember it perfectly, man. I remember who I was standing next to. I just love asking this question because it always ends up. I don't know if you know this, right? But I have, I have like, and I don't publicize this very much, and I kind of suck at my own branding, and I'm, I'm like the carpenter that has shitty cabinets, kind of thing, right? Like I make content for other people, and I'm not very strategic about my own but I have these like networking supercharger tips that I espouse and I have like a playlist on YouTube and whatever. And every time that I ask this question, somebody brings up something of like, Oh, we met because, and then they describe something exactly that's in one of my networking superchargers, right? Like the, like the idea of, 
how you like the energy that you put out, how you show up. Like I'm, I like I always have a big smile on my face, right? And 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 part of it is because I'm a happy happy guy. Other part of it is because I've seen other people. You know, like I have this one friend, Alex Younger, that every time you tell a joke, he doesn't just kind of giggle. He gives you like one of these like, <laughs> like, you know, like he has the extra like, um, I'm like, dude, I love making this guy laugh. Yeah. Or or this, or when I lived in, in Wynwood in Miami, I, there was this Italian guy that lived in my building that every time I waved at him, he didn't just wave back. He gave me like a, like a super emphatic, like, dude, big smile wave. And I realized how that makes me feel. And so I want to give that feeling to other people, right? So it's like, it's just like learned behavior that's become very natural to me. And then the piece of just anytime I see somebody standing without talking to somebody else at a public event, I'm just like, dude, what's up? Because it relieves that burden and it immediately, you know, like it immediately makes you likable if you take that initiative to like say hi to somebody. It's you're just adding value to their life because now they don't have to think about, uh, when's the next conversation I'm going to have? Or like, dude, now who do I go talk to or whatever? It's just like a little thing you can do for somebody. Yeah. Right. So I love that. That's, that's such good. Those are so good. So good tips, yeah. especially uh, the energy part. Cause energy always rubs off. It does. I love it. Anytime I'm talking to someone like you or anybody else, that's just upbeat. I wish I could be around them all the time. I mean, yeah. you don't want to be around the Debbie Downers. You don't yeah, I mean, I as bad as it is. It's, it's tough. <laughs> It's really tough, and uh, you 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 hit it. You hit the nail on the head with that one. That's for sure. And and if you're at a conference, especially, you're usually probably going to connect something yeah. like that. Like if someone's standing, it, it is uncomfortable. Most people will not want to make the first move. If you yeah. can make that first move, everybody else will be so so much more thankful. And um, yeah, totally. totally Con- conference or networking event. If you make the first move, you are doing that person a favor right off the bat. You know, you might as well be handing them a dollar bill. Because <laughs> you know, it's just like, thank you for taking that weight off my shoulder. Um, so that's awesome, man. So that really landed on me. The moment it landed on me was my, um, I got this, uh, my friend, Ulti, who's my financial advisor, that I'm definitely like the lowest, the smallest fish in his in his ocean of financial advising. Like one time he called me up to talk about my old 401k and I pick up, I'm like, what's up, Ulti? Like, how are you, bro? And he's like, dude, I love calling you because every time I call you, <laughs> you know, like, I'm like, all right, I got to do this. I got to really like internalize this thing, man. Um, yeah, you're like you're making me think of some people that I know, and you call them every time, and it's like your voice even just gets up, goes up a beat. You're like, "Hey, bro, what's going on?" Yeah, like, you just know it's going to be a good combo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's great, man. It attracts great people, you know. Like it yeah. attracts great people like you, like Ulti, like whatever, right? Oh, yeah. So awesome, man. Um, we're almost done here, dude. You mind if we go into our rapid fire uh, lightning round? Pam, 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 pam. Let's do it. Yes. <laughs> Yes. What is your favorite restaurant in your favorite city and what dish do you get there? Peter Luger Steakhouse in New York. Well, technically I think it's Bronx or Bronx. Well, it's in New York. And uh I get the damn man, it's a tough one. Uh I made the steak just like I don't I don't I forgot what it's called, but it's the the big like it's the steak you get there. You go to Peter Luger's in New York. It's the damn steak you get there. It's the one that everyone tells you to get there. Yes. <laughs> got it. Got it. With Peter butter Luger. sizzling on it and it's still cooking on your plate as they serve it to you. And you can yeah. get like, you know, medium and rare and medium rare all at the same time, depending on how you press the plate. It's, it's phenomenal. 
I got to say, being a Chicago guy, I will definitely take your advice on steakhouse recommendations, right? Like, I feel like I I, I had a feeling you were going to say a steakhouse. Like, I don't know why I associate that with Chicago. Even though I'm not a big meat eater, uh, something about that place. I went there one time and it was just recently and I'm dying to go back. I will do. I, I can't wait to go back there. Awesome. Awesome. Um, what what kind of content are you most into right now? Like, is there... um this could be a book. This could be a podcast. It could be a person. It could be a TV show. Like I, I, I like to, I like to show the the role of content in people's lives, whether it's learning or entertainment or whatever. Like, what's a, what are you into right now? That's a great question. Actually, I, I, I could give you a little both really quick if I have time. So, entertainment, Please. I would say, uh, Westworld. Yeah. <laughs> or Billions, because Billions just returned. I always like to like just watch a little bit at night before I go to bed, just to get my mind shut off. Um, so Westworld or billions right now. Westworld shuts your mind off, bro. Uh, it makes me not think of the real life. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Definitely makes you forget about real life for 30 minutes. And, uh, if it's going to be something like actually trying to improve myself, I am uh, listening to a financial, um, book right now. The name of it is dun, dun, dun. I can't remember. Oh, the three minute rule, the three minute rule, the three minute rule by Grant, uh, Brant Pendivik. What's, um, what's the three minute rule? Like what, is there like an elevator pitch of what the three minute rule is? It's, it's about, uh, trying to get everything, condone your speech or your talk. It's not an elevator pitch. That's different, but getting everything down to three minutes because nobody really cares about anything after that. Hence why I mentioned it. Mm-hmm. And the first three minutes will be a game changer, especially if it's like a pitch, if you're trying to sell a product or something like that. Um, that that's pretty much the time span we have and we'll make a decision with that three minutes as important as it is. Um, and I actually just had him on my show. Um, he's the former, uh, he created the bar rescue. Oh, cool. Yeah. Badass. Now, yeah. So now he wrote a book. Yeah, you talked to some awesome. interesting people on your show, man. We haven't talked about that at all, but like you've had some awesome guests. So we'll, we'll get the chance. Been, for- to- been fortunate. I guess yeah, I would yeah. say. That's awesome, man. What, what is something that you were sure about in your twenties that you no longer believe? That I am immortal, <laughs> that I will live on forever. Probably, I would say, like you know, right at twenty, and then twenty-one hit twenty-two. It's like, uh, you know, uh, sooner or later, life we do get older, and uh, I gotta really make the best of it now. I can't just keep wasting time uh, doing stupid things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But listen, man, I think that that's a really important lesson to learn, right? Yeah. Um, I, you know, I started noticing that when I'm like, dude, now when I have two drinks, I'm a little bit hungover. What is this? <laughs> you know, like the way that the way that your oh, your yeah. your body stops recovering so well, man. It's a real like eye opener, right? That's who. Yeah, you're. Uh, you don't. You don't even want to have more because yeah. it's like, wow, I have so much actual like things I actually want to get done, and I know this is going to set me back a day or two. Is yeah. it worth it? Not so much. Do you have um, like a best piece of advice you've ever gotten or like a standard piece of advice you'd like to give people? Not standard, but you know what I mean? Like your best piece of advice or the best uh, advice you've gotten. I would say that whatever you do, go with your gut. I mean, it's it's very simple and something about it though. I, you You try to go against your gut every once in a while, but if you have a feeling for long enough and it keeps coming back, there's a reason for it. It's going to eat away at you probably for the rest of your life. Do something about it, please. 
Yeah, there's some real science behind that, man, right? Like your cerebral cortex, your frontal cortex is the newest part of your system. So your body is really the, like what we have always known to like make decisions by. So like your Mm -hmm. gut generally knows before your brain knows. So I think that that's a good, it's simple, man, but it's legit. Yeah, very simple, but that's simple is usually the best. Yeah, legit. That's another good piece of advice. Um, (laughs) I'm going to ask you the last question. Yeah. Uh, Last question's coming up, man. But first I want to just give you a chance to, you know, I, I'm going to link podriver.com, boss2boss.com for your, I'm sorry, podriver.com for your podcast production company, um, boss2boss, your your podcast. I'll link it, but I kind of want to give you a chance to promote whatever, you know, where people can find you. What's the, what's the best way to connect? Uh, yeah, I would just say checking out the podcast. Uh, that's probably the one I'm, if you really want to follow me and what I'm doing and growing thing, the, the business I'm growing, like you'll learn it all and hear it all. And I, that way I could connect with you as well. Um, you know, cause I love to connect with the listeners when I could. So yeah, just bossed to boss. If you're watching video, um, you can see it's bossed the number two boss. Um, the podcast is everywhere. So just, you could even just Google it. It's just type in bossed to boss or just bossed and it'll pop up. And, uh, yeah, I would say that. And just, uh, if you ever want to add me on LinkedIn, LinkedIn is also good. So my full name, which you'll probably just have to write in the show notes, but it's oh, yeah, yeah. Miroslaw Wieslow. <laughs> Miroslaw Wieslow. Uh, M-I-R-O-S-L-A-W. Um, not very traditional, but yeah, that's if you want to connect more personally, but just a podcast. Boss oh, to boss. I always want people to connect with me on LinkedIn, but telling them to connect with Pablo Gonzalez on LinkedIn, it's like, here's a needle. That's- Go throw it in a haystack. You know, so at least you got that going for you. Yeah. What, type in Miroslav, you're usually not going to find too much more. Like, especially if you're in America and you might have a third degree connection somewhere, I'll pop up right away. Yeah. Yeah. You were super easy to find on Facebook, which was great. Um, what, uh, what's, what's the deal with Pod River, man? It's a podcast production company. What's, uh, yes. Yeah. So we have, we have four, we have four shows right now that mm-hmm. we, uh, produce, mine being one of them. Um, and then we have another like local Chicago land entrepreneurship show. We have a travel slash cooking show uh, called Chow Time. He dri- a guy rides around on his motorcycle, tests out different restaurants along the way. And then we have a sports show, a nationwide sports show, the Mac and Black show. And it's, uh, yeah, so we have four different shows that we produce and have a whole like YouTube channel. And we, you know, we, we use the power of leveraging each other's podcasts and the networks and um, you know, why do it all alone when you can do it as a group and partner up and help each other out? So yeah, we help others get their podcasts from point A to point Z through That's awesome. production and hosting and the whole, like what making a website for you. Very cool. Very cool, man. So now the last uh, question that I'd like to ask everybody is where do you find community? Hmm. If If we're talking virtually, than Facebook sure. <laughs> and groups, just Facebook groups have, have really been um, a winner. I have my own group. It's called Bossed to Boss Community, um, where I just connect with others on a deeper level and people that want to be involved in the same things I'm involved in. And besides that, like on an actual human level, I would have to say just with, uh, with, with, with family and just friends, like just reaching out to people and going out and the small things, right? Just connecting, getting a coffee, just catching up. All those small things add up no matter what, all the time. 
Hey, listen, man. I, um, I just want to say thanks, dude. I, I, I just want to acknowledge you for, you know, like making time for me. You got a bunch of businesses, like you, you had to bail on the first one, but you were super dutiful about, you know, like rescheduling. And then I had to reschedule. And I, I think it's awesome, man. I love that, that you're a guy that's open enough to like give a chance to grow a relationship with someone that you met at a conference. And, and I'm really pumped for this. And I'm pumped oh, yeah. that we're going to be friends uh, for the time being, for, 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 yeah, for, for the future to come, man. This is really cool. Yeah, the pleasure is mine. It's been uh, it's been fun. You asked me a lot of challenging things. You got me really thinking about a lot of things. I, I I like to come out of every episode or show, whether I'm interviewing or getting interviewed, uh, learning something. And I've definitely learned a lot here. So everybody tuning in, uh, you you have a good one here. And Pablo, so keep listening, keep tuning in, and uh, yeah, I'm sure he will not disappoint. Boom! Thank you, bro. Thanks a lot. I hope you enjoyed that conversation right there as much as I did. Listen, Connect with Pablo is a content marketing community creation agency. The bottom line is that if you can start creating content that can give value to your customers or audience while creating strategic relationships through it, you can have a content machine that allows you to tell the story of your business through the value you are creating while gathering people together. If you're curious about that or know someone who could be, please shoot me an email at you should at connectwithpablo.com or hit me up on Instagram or LinkedIn through the profiles tagged in the show notes. If you just want a quick pick me up and some tactical advice right before walking into a room full of strangers, go to connectwithpablo.com, watch the five minute video about how to walk into a room and not feel like you're all alone and or download the little cheat sheet on how to do just that. I have a lot of my friends that I've done networking with me for a long time tell me that they love watching that thing and carrying it around when they're walking into a networking event or they're walking into a conference or sometimes even if you're just walking into a wedding and you don't know anybody, right? It has a lot of use for it. I invite you to check it out if you need it. I really hope you stick around, connect with me and start leaning into finding value in others and feeling like you have value to give yourself. It'll make the world a better place. I promise. Until the next episode, I am Pablo Gonzalez, your Chief Executive Connector.